Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is from our epistle lesson, especially these verses, the words of St. Paul. The mystery was made known to me by revelation. It was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and, and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This is our text. Everybody loves the big reveal. Who got chopped? What does the house look like after its extreme makeover? Who's getting voted out at tribal council? Crime shows have done a pretty good job of incorporating that approach as well in order to keep their audience engaged during the whole 60 minutes of the show. Give a clue here, some, some hints over there, and let them figure out who done it. And the killer is... Well, maybe it's the butler with a knife in the kitchen or something. I don't know. I also don't know how that big reveal, when that got started. I know it dates back at least to St. Paul, although he didn't have the, the cool sound effects. But he did have the greatest big reveal of all. When he discovered the news that he writes about in his letters in the New Testament, that turned his entire world upside down. And it's had that same effect ever since. So would you like to know what he learned? Are, are you ready for the big reveal? Here it is. Jesus Christ is the Savior. I don't know, did I give you too big a, a build-up? Were you expecting to be surprised? I mean, that's the way a, a big reveal is supposed to work, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it is, except the script that I'm working with is over 2,000 years old. So it's not likely that I'm going to say something that is unfamiliar to you, at least not in the same way that it was to those whom St. Paul preached and wrote. My fear is that we're going to become indifferent to this though, because it's not exactly breaking news anymore. But it's still news, important, vital, exciting news. Jesus Christ is the Savior. That's the mystery that St. Paul says was hidden for centuries and had just recently been revealed even though there had been all kinds of clues about it. In fact, it dated back to the very first sin. You remember in the Garden of Eden when God is addressing first Adam and Eve and, and then Satan. And when talking to Satan, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And there are many more clues like that spread throughout the Old Testament. 
but there wasn't any Sherlock Holmes to put them all together and solve the mystery. Well, there couldn't have been. This was far too deep a mystery for any human to fathom or to figure out. It needed to be revealed. And so it was. To Mary and Joseph, before their child was born, to the shepherds the night of his birth, to the wise men that we read about again today. To all of them it was revealed that this baby was the one God's people had been expecting. When Herod heard that the wise men were searching for the king of the Jews, he gathered his Bible scholars and asked them where this king was to be born. Because they had been expecting him for centuries, they knew immediately what the answer was to Herod's question. They went to a prophecy from Micah that had been spoken and written down 700 years earlier. But you, O Bethlehem, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. Here at last was the one that Micah had written about. The one God's people had been expecting. Except guess what? This child was actually not the one God's people had been expecting. Well, he came as their king, all right, in fulfillment of Micah's prophecy to be ruler in Israel. But Herod did not need to worry. Jesus didn't come to take his position or to try to take away any of his power. Jesus was a different kind of king. Way different than his people had been expecting. He came to serve, not to be served. He was born in a barn and raised in a tiny town. And when he began to reign, his crown was made out of thorns. And his throne was the cross. And while many kings had successfully led armies that saved their people from oppression, this king commanded his armies, his angel armies, to stand down. While all alone he saved his people from the cruelest tyranny of all, slavery to sin. And the misery that brings on earth and the even greater misery that comes in eternity. Jesus Christ is the Savior. Quite the revelation indeed. But there's more to it. St. Paul has another surprise waiting. An even bigger reveal. And that is that Jesus Christ is the Savior of all people. That was news back then. But again, there had been clues about this scattered throughout the Old Testament, especially in the book of Isaiah. One of them's in our Old Testament lesson today. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you and nations shall come to your light. Nations shall come to your light. 
Jesus Christ is the Savior of all people. All people. Not just the Jewish people. That was a revelation. It was not a widely accepted fact in the early church, especially at the very beginning, especially among those who had been raised in the Jewish faith. For the most part, they had missed the clues that said God was not their exclusive possession. To them, the God of Israel was just that, the God of Israel. They were his people. But Paul had a revelation for them. It's in Ephesians chapter 3. The Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. God is the God of all nations, not just Israel. Jesus Christ is the Savior of all people. While we have a a natural tendency to want to be in and to leave others out, God wants everyone to be in. And that's a good thing, right? I mean, if God were not the God of all people, how could we know for sure that he's our God? And if Jesus isn't the Savior of all people, then how can we know for sure that he's our Savior? We couldn't. But we don't have to worry about that because Jesus is the Savior of all people. But Paul still isn't done. Even that isn't the biggest reveal. There's another one. The biggest reveal of all. That changes everything. You know, in a way, we shouldn't need to have that revealed to us. Really, it it should be automatic. An automatic response to the incredible news about Jesus. But it just doesn't work that way in sinful people like us. We like to cling to the old, to the familiar and, and the comfortable. Truth be told, we don't like anything to change, let alone everything. But God has a bigger plan, a better plan than we could ever imagine. That plan has to be revealed to us. And here's the first revelation that God gives about that. That change begins with us. St. Paul knew that. In our epistle lesson, he's thinking about how dramatically and how completely his life had changed when he refers to himself as the very least of all the saints. Now that's not false humility on Paul's part, nor is it, nor is it some kind of personal assessment of, of how his ministry has gone. No, he's remembering his conduct before Jesus revealed himself to Paul that he was indeed the Savior. (laughs) Talk about a big reveal. Paul had been convinced without a doubt that this Jesus was an imposter and a pretender. And so he actively and violently persecuted anybody who believed in Jesus. 
and that's why he considered himself of all people to be the very least deserving to be called a saint. Quite the opposite. He was the chief of sinners. Someone only a most gracious and forgiving God could love. Which, coincidentally, happens to be the perfect description of our God. Gracious and forgiving. And that's a description that can mean as much to us as it did to Paul. And it will mean that when, like him, we understand the true nature of sin. When we recognize how outrageous it is so often the way that that we treat God, still treat other people, when we recognize that, then we will fully appreciate God's grace in Jesus Christ. We know that our past is different than Paul's, but we also know that it's no better. We too are the least deserving of all people to be called saints. But that's okay, because Jesus Christ is the Savior of all people, even people like you and me. And here's what might be the biggest surprise about this. Jesus trusts us to get that word out. St. Paul says, Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The change takes place in and is made known through the church. What an incredible truth is expressed in that verse. Paul says that the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places are taught by us. You know who those rulers and authorities in the heavenly places are, don't you? The angels. Paul says we teach the angels. And what we teach them about is the grace of God. The very fact that the church exists is a lesson in grace for them. There was no logical reason for the church's existence. Its members were all rebels against God's original plan when he created the world and human beings to inhabit it. But those rebels, that's us, We're saved by the grace of God in sending Jesus Christ into our world. But this was all new to the angels. Sometimes I think we overestimate their abilities. Certainly they are incredibly powerful, extremely wise. But they can't do everything. And they don't know everything. And they had had no previous experience with the grace of God. When the angels way back in the beginning sinned, they weren't forgiven. They were expelled from heaven. And the angels who did not sin had no need for God's mercy and forgiveness. Which means that they learn about God's grace 
by watching us, the members of Christ's church, forgiven sinners who live daily in and by the grace of God. I'm still trying to wrap my, my brain around all of that, that, that we teach the angels. I'm still trying to wrap my brain around something else, too. And that is that God uses the church to teach not only the angels, but other people. To show them by word and deed how beautiful it is to live with Jesus. And while that is our church's mission statement, it's every Christian's mission. We do that, we we show the beauty of living with Jesus when we accept one another as sisters and brothers in Christ, no matter what other differences we might have with one another. Well, if the Jews could accept that the Gentiles were loved by God just as much as they were, surely we can accept one another. We know that Jesus Christ is the Savior of all people, even people like us, and even people who aren't at all like us. All of that is revealed in the church. A collection of sinners saved by faith and living out our faith. Faith that changes everything about how we view ourselves, how we view others. It changes what we think of them, what we say to them, how we act towards them. What an incredible opportunity we have in the church. How blessed we are to be chosen for such a task. To be given the chance every day, every day, to have a starring role in God's big reveal. Amen.